This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to your weekend edition of Every Step Along The Way. We'll be looking back at an early cup exit at Morecambe. We'll be looking at limited transfer news that's come out of the club this week, as well as under-18s and under-23s action getting underway this weekend. And talking this weekend, we'll also be previewing the trip to Huddersfield. Yeah, and welcome back, Andy and Mike. So, I'll go to you, Mike, first. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with Andy in a minute. How, how are you, Mike? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Um, sat here with a bad shoulder, to be honest. I've got spasms and trapped nerves, so if you hear me start crying, you know why You know why that is, basically. It's not down to the, the poor football uh, results. It's actually down to me having a bit of a spasm. So, uh, yeah, other than that, mate, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. We hear you, Andy, breaking down crying. Is that due to... Uh... Reliving last night and the trip to Morecambe. Uh, well, I had to relive it via editing, so um, yeah, it was um, pretty shambolic. But we'll we'll elaborate on that in a minute. Ah, uh, bro. So yes, so touching on that, um, obviously you were the only one out of the three of us to attend the game. So we will be sort of you know digging deep into your brain for this one. <laughs> Because um, <laughs> obviously there was no stream really available, was there? There was you know limited access to any kind of information on it. Um, but first of all, what we did get, we got hot off the press. Final whistle thoughts from yourself, didn't we at the time? So let's have a listen to you know what you were thinking as the final whistle had gone and the penalty shootout had ended. I'll say this: Morgan Fox first penalty taker. Really unsure on why. Um, yep, yeah, I've got because I do my vlogging. Dwight Gale, Dwight Gale's goal ruled out offside was onside by at least a yard. So that's stupid. Um, and yeah, it's just super unfortunate. But the thing I'm looking positive at is that obviously it's only a cup game. Carabao Cup wasn't going to expect to get far anyway. So um, think of it as less fixture congestion for the league, um, which is probably our main priority this season. 
So we'll be all right. We'll be all right this season. Um, one or two players look way out of their depth tonight. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, do you still feel the same way? Has anything changed? You've had 24 hours to think about it. Not really. I mean, I mentioned Thompson playing left wing back. McCarron was injured and I thought he did an all right job. The one thing I would have changed is we bought Klukas in as a left midfielder who's also played as wing back sometimes. He would have probably done a better job there. Um, Fox on penalties. I've had a bit of thinking and maybe he does bury them every time in training. He's just got it wrong this time. But I don't think specifically we did anything wrong as a team. It was just one of those games where we had the chances. I think it was like we had a shot on average every four minutes or five minutes. Um, and it just didn't want to go in. And that's pretty much how I can elaborate on the game. Mate, if if that's the penalty of somebody who puts them in and train all the time, I dread to think what the what the other side looks like. Yeah. Sorry, it's that, problem. I, I mean, yeah, okay. In the past, we've had Danny Higginbottom could take penalties. Um, fair enough. You know, defenders do take penalties. But I'm sorry, I, I made this point to you boys, and I made it on, online as well to my own detriment. I think, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I made I made the point of Luke. In my eyes. If you're in a normal match situation, if you give any midfielder or any striker a, effectively a free shot with plenty of time to spare from 12 yards out, they would snap your hand off every single time. In terms of penalties, they've got all those conditions. Now, yes, it's a bit stressful. This is the first round of the bloody cup. So I'm sorry, if you're a striker and you haven't got the balls to step up and take a quite frankly, a free shot from 12 yards. If you don't fancy yourself for that, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself, I'm afraid. There should not be a defender be taking them before. Let's, let's face it, the guy does not take them for fun in training. He doesn't. The, back, the, the guy barely even plays a football match, so there's no way he does this in training. Uh, and it certainly can't be above the likes of of Dwight Gale, which who, which I think we were saying was going to be the last guy to take one. But I feel quite passionate about this, mate. Every striker on that pitch who is left needs to take a long, hard look at themselves because they should have been pointing their hands up before anybody else. Well, to be, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm on the other side of this. I think Dwight, I'm 100% certain that Dwight Gale was down to take that fifth penalty for Stoke last night. And I think, obviously, he he knows he's a finisher. He's there and you, you see um, a lot of players now, a lot of teams obviously using analytics using history historic data with shootouts on they know that the pressure on the pressure on that fifth penalty is immense and usually it can be the penalty to win the tie and the pressure's there for that or it's the penalty where it you need to score just to stay in there it's like the first sudden death essentially isn't it um that's if so, you get to that point, though, mate, which last night clearly proved that you can't bank on getting to that point. If you're well, left, if, left back if you, to take your first penalty, you've already well, set yourself up to fail if you misses. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but obviously there's a reason why a lot of a lot of clubs, a lot of teams do it this way now, isn't it? Because they wouldn't be doing it like that for fun. There's obviously something behind it for a lot of teams to. You see, you know, you see your good penalty takers coming later. I know. Um, for example, I know the African uh, Cup of Nations final, was it Salah and Mane both took the fifth penalty for their countries? That's not a coincidence, is it? 
I know uh, Ronaldo often takes the fifth penalty, doesn't he, for Portugal or, you know, um, Man United if they ever have a shootout or anything. Um, I can say the thing, I, the reason I think Fox took that penalty, and I, I did say it to you at the time, Linda, that I think it's possibly experience. There was a, quite a young side out there and I thought they need, they wanted a good, you know, they looked around and as an experienced member outside, he's probably put his hand up and said, yeah, I'll take one. And he's probably confidently said it and they thought, yeah, you know, he's been there, he's seen it, he's, you know, he's, what is he, 31, 31 years of age, plenty of games under his belt, it won't phase him, he'll be able to keep, a, you know, he won't be nervous, take calm head, he'll just stick it away. Didn't play out that way, didn't play out that way, but I think that was the reasoning behind it. The one thing I will say, mate, all credit to the guy, because, again, he's put his hand up at the end of the day. He, he said he said he'll take one. So in, in terms of to him, good on him. I just questioned where, you know, where the other hands came from. That's all. Uh, and I'm not saying it would have made a blind bit of difference. We could have had a striker take it first and he could have missed it anyway. Um, I just I just think as me as an attacking player, if I'm a Dwight Gale or I can't even think what bloody strikers are left on the pitch, quite frankly, Andy. Yeah, right Phillips on the right pitch. Phillips. I mean, he's the a substitutes that still. we brought on. Uh, obviously, Gale, we mentioned Smallbone came on, scored his. Lauren came on and he's probably got an all right penalty. You had Thompson on who scored. I believe Klukas took his and scored. But if you knew it was going to, a, if it went to a penalty shootout, like we were probably expecting, Baker's got a brilliant penalty on him. And we subbed him off. And when we took him off, and I think we bought on Smallbone for Baker, we were all thinking, oh, Klukas is going to come off maybe, or Thompson. But Baker came off and we were like, if this goes to a penalty shootout, we know that we're probably got going to be on the back foot. Well, I mean, away from penalties, mate, because I was looking at the stats and I'm really keen to get your thoughts on this because obviously you were there, right? So we had, what, 21 shots. We've hit the posts. We had a goal wrongly disallowed, as you said in your audio. Um, I've got you know, to put a photo of that on my Twitter as well. You're going to have to, mate. 83% passing accuracy. And obviously, we're playing a much weakened team. So you can turn around and go, well, look, actually, those stats show that we absolutely smashed that game. And for some reason, it just didn't go in. Is it as clear as we dominated? Or were, are the, stat, were the stats a bit misleading to how dominant we actually were? It was pretty even first half. Obviously, you're playing a weaker side, like you mentioned. Sometimes when you have got younger players in your team who haven't got the experience, it's going to be a bit tougher for them. Second half came around and probably three quarters of those shots came in the second half. And we were always in their, in their half, probably mostly in their attacking third. Whenever we got the ball back, we'd get it down and we probably had two or three shots at the post. We had so many headers, you know, trying to win them and they're getting knocked out and we were always on the front foot and we were always putting pressure on them and then obviously when they went down to 10 men with about half an hour to go the first thing you should do is obviously scrap the back five which is defensive and go to maybe a 4-3-3 and just go for the attacking mode but the wing backs worked and like I've said there's nothing really that we did wrong it was just a game where we were the better team but things just didn't go our way okay Okay, so you're saying there that when the red card came, we should have ditched the wing backs, ditched mm-hmm. the five defense, you know, the five at the back, and um, gone four three three. Were we creating chances after the red card, like regular chances, really like one after another, and we just couldn't put them away? Yeah, I think that was the case. But obviously, when they're down to 
having a man sent off who was their central midfielder, you can use the wing backs and sort of get in behind. And it worked for that type of sending off. Maybe instead of playing the back five, you went, you know what, play the back three or even play as wingers instead. And it did work in the end. But any other situation, I understand why people say, you know, scrap the back five. Like, he wasn't going to change it because it would, it, although the ball didn't end up in the net, it, we, we were creating chances. It wasn't as if, on the sounds of it, that we, you know, we were stagnant and we were just sort of plodding around and struggling no, to get all. near the goal. We, yeah, we, we were creating chances. We were getting shot after shot after shot away. So if that's the case, of course I don't think, and I don't think a manager is going to change the formation if it's because it is the formation's not the problem. It's the finishing, the final, it's the final act that is the issue in that case, isn't it? It's it's not yeah. the creation of chances; it's the finishing of them. Yeah, I'll 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 give you that. It's it's completely the finishing, and to be fair. The shots that were saved from the goalkeeper were some good saves. Like even Harry Clark's header that was, you know, probably 15, 16 yards out was a pretty good header. And it was good that he got down to it. But with the defence in the first half, I think it was a little bit shaky. And Morgan Fox almost led to one or even two goals going in. And I don't know why he's in the team. Maybe it's because we've got no one else to cover. Fox is the new Chester, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's also Welsh, and I don't want to say anything about Welsh defenders, but we don't specifically have a good track record with them in my books. Well, you know, for what about should... oh, Well, yeah, Ash- yeah. Ashley Williams, James Chester, Morgan Fox. <laughs> oh my God. God, no, Jesus. I was just going to say, speaking of Welsh people, uh, I did see. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is tongue in cheek. <laughs> is this the I, I saw. The, no, no, it's worse than that. I, I, oh. I saw the calls for a certain uh, capped one uh, making their their appearance on social media the other night. Now, it, it must oh, be tongue-in-cheek. Now, everybody knows, I think the majority of us, I think all three of us, were probably very pro Tony Pulis in terms of what he actually achieved at the club. But in no way does his football philosophy work in the current day for me. Um it must have been tongue in cheek. I love TP, but he should never come back to this club. Um, he's he's done his job, and I don't think he'll I don't think he'll manage again, quite frankly. But please tell me that that was tongue in cheek. I can't believe for a second that anyone thinks Pulis would be the man to come back, even Sad- if, even if you hate O'Neill. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think it was. I think there's many Stoke fans out there who think he could walk back into the club and everything would be rosy, and we'd get promotion and and. 25 games. His football's more negative than what we've got now. Just get well, play it around the back and hoof it long. Well, mate, the buddy fan base is split already with O'Neill. So can you imagine how split it would be with Pulis coming back? Oh my It'd be word! More split than now. Also, I think you can kiss goodbye to uh, Joe Bursic being in goal. You can kiss goodbye to uh, a, be- a, a defense, including you know all those. Youngsters that we, you know, young Connor Taylor wouldn't play. Wouldn't. Harry Clark Ta- wouldn't play. No, uh, Ben Tyrese is a bit 50 50. Wilmot, no. Wilmot would be too young, wouldn't he? Time would probably so be too young. <laughs> you know what? Gale would get into the team, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, Gale <laughs> would. D- John O'Shea would have to come out of retirement and, and <laughs> bring Delap back <laughs> as well. <laughs> and we've signed Delap. Oh, amazing. Rory. No, Rory. Oh. <laughs> And there's a reason why managers have a shelf life and that, and 
they either evolve with football or they don't. And there was many times when Pulis has said he was doing it. I know when it when Stoke let him go from here the second time, he had a he had a dossier, didn't he? And he'd been studying this and that and and then he went to Crystal Palace and played exactly the same as how he was doing with us and same with West Brom, same with Middlesbrough. You know, so he, and and as well, if you notice with that, his success got less and less as he went on. I will say one final thing to round things off. The round the second round draws happened and do you know who would have played? Run oh, away. Well, well, you see, this is where the League Cup annoys me. I like the FA Cup because you get a ball number, don't you? Yeah. Whatever draw, whatever draw you were, if you were like the the third tie out, you're number three in the next round. Yeah. What what annoys me about the League Cup is it's all alphabetical. Like yeah, Arsenal number one, Aston Villa number two, that kind of thing. So it's like one different result can mess everybody's numbers up and change <laughs> the draw massively. Yeah. I don't like that. I like to look at it and know who would have played. I don't want to sit there and work. <laughs> I'm not that interested to sit there and work out. Well, if Morecambe, they would if they weren't there, then uh, you know, Middlesbrough would be up one, and then uh, Newcastle would be up one, and <laughs> yeah, I get that. Right. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to mention about physically at the game, Andy? Support. It, I, I was support, support was brilliant. It was brilliant. I think we took around one thousand with us, which for you know midweek you're paying for the coaches as well. It's it's brilliant support. And we we didn't stop singing pretty much for the for the whole of the game. We were always behind the players. And then um, I will say one thing: their goalkeeper was quite a laugh. He um, he got involved with the away fans and things like that. Most goalkeepers just you know shrug it off, but he kept getting involved with it. So you know we we had a good time, even though a lot of people are upset about the result and things like that. It's 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 a cup game and it's less fixture congestion for us, and it should be better for the league now. Now, those who listen to Monday's podcast will have heard that Joel Shooter give us a bit of a preview uh, about Morecambe before the game. Uh, well, we, we caught up with him after the game to find out his thoughts. So heading up to get the, to the game last night, because we've not scored but created a few chances in our opening two games, I said to my friend, you know what, I don't really mind too much about the result tonight. I wasn't too hopeful after uh, Derek described, uh, our manager, shall we, described, uh, Stokes' performance against Blackpool as, as a battering of Blackpool. Uh, but I just said, you know what, I'm not too fussed about the result, uh, but I'd I just like to see a goal or two to get us going. Well, uh, the result turned out very well, but we still didn't score. But you know what, I don't really mind because it was a it was a hell of a victory for us. So I thought, first half, I think we managed to keep it quite even. There weren't really any proper opportunities for Stoke. Uh, we didn't really have any ourselves, but at the same time, I was happy with how we used the ball at times. Obviously, we're always going to concede possession a bit more, but we looked solid defensively, and when we got the ball, we used it well. And while we didn't create any opportunities, I thought we looked a threat at times, and we also we stopped Stoke from creating any major opportunities, which is kind of you know, which is what what the kind of initial aim is to stop stop Stoke getting, you know, as a championship club, getting loads of opportunities. Second half, obviously, I thought Stoke started quite strongly. Uh, obviously, they've got that chance that Ripley says well with his legs. Uh, and then, obviously, we, we've probably got to move on to the red card, which, I'll be honest, is in, incredibly... Both yellows were very harsh, especially the first one. And that second one, does the ref need to give a yellow there? No, he doesn't. A better ref. 
holds back, as it were, with him, you know, controls the game a bit better. But unfortunately, as I'm sure you've experienced many times yourself with referees, you know, they like to uh, they like to make the, uh, the occasion about themselves sometimes. So it was a shame for that to happen, but uh, we dug in really well, down with 10 men. I think at that point, you know, Stoke did start to have a bit more joy, definitely. And that, that's not surprising, you know, given we had 10 men. And there were a couple of hairy moments, you can't deny that, but not nothing that was too... It wasn't like we were conceding chance after chance after chance and getting constantly lucky. There were some openings and Stoke maybe could have done a little bit better with a couple of them, but, you know, bodies on the line. We defended really well. and I'm so happy with how we defended because it was really excellent. Uh, and then, obviously, go to the penalty shootout. Uh, Derek, obviously not put off by uh, what happened at the Euros with England, had four subs take penalties, and they all did fantastically. Uh, really good to see some calm penalties, obviously. Uh, Fox's penalty for Stoke set us up quite nicely, but it was good that our players, you know, did the job because they still need to do the job of putting their, away their penalties. So yeah, absolutely buzzing to be through to the next round, really. Well, uh, I think what we'll do then, we'll just have a look at the uh, man of the match poll from last night. It finished. Connor Taylor walked it yet again. Uh, yeah, it's got forty-eight. 48 votes out of 74. So obviously, with the yeah, you know, with a bit obviously there wasn't as many votes as usual due to well lack of people being able to watch it, I suppose. <laughs> Unless you were one of the, the lucky few there. Uh, but yeah, Cointel walked it. Tom Sparrow, uh, he got second place. Jordan Thompson got third. Uh, Phil Jagielka came fourth, and then it was Will Smallbone, Harry Clark. Um, they were next, and then there was also a vote for Jack Bond and Morgan Fox. That's tongue in cheek, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Lucas, Gavin Kilkenny, and Jacob Brown all managed to get um, a vote. Andy, didn't you say? I, I, I'm sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth here. It might have been somebody else. Did you say that Tom Sparrow looked a bit out of his depth through the night? Yeah, he, he looked good. He made the runs, but he did look a little bit too far out of his depth for me, and I think it's. You know, obviously, I don't think much under-21 football's gone on. There's been the summer break. He hasn't played too much during pre-season. And maybe he just needs to get one or two more games behind him to look fully how he should be like. For example, I don't want to compare him to Madger, who was a striker. But when Madger first came here, he wasn't too great. Once he got a few games behind him and he got more match fit, he, he was better. And I think if you go towards the middle of the season, he'll, he could be challenging Harry Clark for the right wing back spot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much rounded up Morecambe and uh, we can, you know, close the uh, close the draw with the Carabao Cup in for this season and, uh, yeah, move on. I was, is everyone happy with that? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, happy. Yeah, let's move on quickly. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into the news then. Well, considering it's transfer season, it's, we've had a pretty quiet week. I mean... There's only been the one link that I can see, um, Paddy Lane, Mike. What do you what do you know about him? Yeah, I don't think it's anyone that many Stoke fans have probably ever even heard of, never mind seen playmate, to be honest. Um, so he currently plays for Fleetwood in League One. So apparently we've sent our uh, scouts out to to watch him. I mean, from what I can gather, mate, he's a winger, which on first thought isn't exactly fitting the the typical Mon mould. So whether he's on about kind of maybe transferring this guy into a different position he's not going to change his formation let's be honest so maybe he's trying to do a bit of a timing and 
mould him potentially. But uh, in terms of what I know about him, it's very, very little. I mean, he's won the EFL League One Young Player of the Year last year. Um, and he's just one player of the month as well, I believe. So for a 21-year-old lad, um, it's not a bad start to your career, I suppose. And uh, somebody made that I've got a feeling isn't for the here and now. So maybe if he's one of them that signs, he's, he's going to go into our under-23s or under-20, whatever they call it these days. Uh, he'll go into that section and maybe just be somebody to to train with the first teammate. So time will tell whether we you know whether we sign him how much we think he's actually going to cost us of course but it sounds a bit strange going for a winger if he is an out and out winger i'll add into that fact about you saying he's a winger he mostly plays in center mid for fleetwood okay he's also played attacking midfield defensive midfield left midfield right midfield right wing and left wing so he he's, he looks like he's more of a central midfield, which isn't too bad. He's made two appearances for Northern Ireland this year. So for a 21-year-old lad who we've not merged, heard much about, he doesn't exactly seem like a poor young lad. And like you said, he's probably here for the future. And, you know, we'll try and develop him to be a nailed-on position player. I suppose that's the thing with a young lad of that age. If he's playing all over the place, he clearly hasn't mastered any one position. So maybe it is one of them where you can just kind of, again, mould him, mould him into yeah. a position that O'Neill clearly you know, looks at him and thinks, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll do here. So, yeah, I mean, time will tell, mate. I don't know how much is in it. You know, I'm sure we send our scouts out to see a load of players. So nothing may come yeah. with this one. I will add to it as well. He's only ever played at left wing back for Northern Ireland. So he can pretty much play anywhere you want. That isn't striker. <laughs> well, we did say we need a new goalkeeper, mate. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, we are. Right, so I mean, like I say, no club news either, really. It's really quiet, isn't it, this week? No real news. Um, but what we have got is we've got season openers for the under 18s and the under 21s this weekend. Uh, so start with the under 18s now, they're pre season, they've had wins over Roaster, Shrewsbury, and Crew. Uh, they've lost to Celtic, Rochdale, QPR, and Drew with West Brom. And they open their season on Saturday uh, with a midday kickoff at home to Leeds. So that's taking place at Clayton Wood, that's the training ground. Uh, the under 21s, they've pre season, they've had wins over Luton, Altrincham, and Leek, uh, whilst being defeated by Nantwich, Celtic, Stockport, and Cardiff. And they open their season on Monday evening, 7 pm kickoff away at Newcastle, uh, a match that's being played at Northumberland FA. So, yeah, so uh, nice to get some, like I say, some uh, minutes in the legs for the younger lads as well, and their season getting up and running at last as well. Big, big trip up to Huddersfield on Saturday, and let's get into that. So... There'll be quite a few Stokies making the journey uh, up to Yorkshire to, for this game. So, Andy, uh, anything they need to know travel-wise? Um, not really too much on the road. So, if you are getting the coaches, they depart at 11 o'clock in the morning. Remember, if you are under 18, you must be supervised by an adult of 21 years or over. At the time of recording, there's 12 tickets left in block AO6 and 6-2 left in AO3. If you do want to get your ticket still, it's 25 quid for an adult. 20 quid for over 65s. For under 19s, it is 15 quid. And for an under 11, it is 10 quid. 
If you are going by train, there are no strikes planned. Your best route will be Stoke to Manchester Piccadilly to Huddersfield with your train earliest back at 5.23, which is Huddersfield-Stoke, Huddersfield-Stockport, then to Stoke. Or if you want to get a bit of a later train back, it is Huddersfield-Manchester-Piccadilly to Stoke, which is at 5.55. Your first train out will be at 5.52, and your last train back is at 8.23 in the evening. 25 quid? You told me you told me it's 37 quid plus VAT. What's going on? <laughs> nah, I, I don't rob you. I promise I, promise I don't rob you. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get there uh, to the stadium for the coach. You're like, yeah, it left three hours to go. Unlucky. <laughs> that uh, was a handling me. fee. Hand- <laughs> if you, you deposit, I'll Stoke give it you back. I'll give it you back on Saturday. <laughs> Stoke have got the two pound booking fee and the you know the two pound pickup fee and the booking fee, and now Andy's added on surcharges as well. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, <laughs> sorry. If you want something doing that? If you don't want something doing, do it yourself. <laughs> Yeah, don't get me to do it. I'll charge your handling fees. Well, mate, you booked a blinking adult to take it even though you were a kid. Nah, nah, we're not going into that. Oh, that was annoying, that was. Andy, let's hit, hit me with your stats, mate. Let's have it. What have you got? You want me to go first? All right. Oh. Well, since a 1-0 away win in October 2019, Huddersfield have picked up just two points in five league games against Stoke. Um, Stoke are unbeaten in their last five away matches against Huddersfield since a 3-1 defeat back in November 1997. Huddersfield have lost both their opening matches in the Championship, as you know, a 1-0 loss to Burnley and a 2-1 loss to Birmingham, which is many defeats they suffered in their final 26 league games under their previous coach, Carlos Corberan. Um, as well as that, Stoke have suffered defeats in their last two away games in the Championship, which is a 3-1 loss against Middlesbrough and a 2-0 loss against Millwall. And the last time we lost three in a row was March 2021, where we had a run of four. And the final one is that a defeat here would see Danny Schofield become the first Huddersfield manager to lose his first three league games in charge. Oh dear, that's not that's ominous then, isn't it? Stoke <laughs> City Charity FC. <laughs> right, I'm going to hit you with mine now. Go on then, Dan. So... Um, as you said, we're beating them five trips to Huddersfield, uh, four draws and a 5-2 win that was not long after Michael O'Neill took over. Uh, a 1-0 home defeat in 2019 is our only loss in our last 11 games against Huddersfield. In oh, wow. fact, in the last four years, Huddersfield have scored three own goals against Stoke, including a beautiful Bakuno lob in the 97th minute at the Bear 365 Stadium. Oh, yes. Oh, I remember that watching that. That, <laughs> that was a nice goll, to be fair. Yes. I think it was Barry Hino who had scored in that game, I think, maybe. Yeah, I believe yeah, it was. He broke his duck. He, he broke his duck, didn't he? Uh, that, yeah. that random header that seemed to take about three weeks to go in. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and then Bakuna thought, you know what? I'll back pass. Oh. So how about this, right? So, the, you know, when we played Huddersfield in January... There's mm. only three players who started last weekend's game who played in that last match at Huddersfield. So mm. Baker, Wilmot and Tymon were the only three who started in January who also started last week against Blackpool. Shows how many loanees we have, done this. Yes. Jacob Brown came off the bench to score the equaliser, though, at Huddersfield that, that night. Well. Uh, that, he's got two and two against Huddersfield for Stoke. Uh Sam Klukas has one in four, but Tyrese Campbell has scored four goals in three appearances against Huddersfield. And he'll go and say, bag another, won't he? It's, well, Huddersfield is his training pitch. 
I was going <laughs> to say, mate, yeah, I, I thought Tyrese must have had more than that, both of them. Um, so I'm glad you picked that one out, Dan, because what it was the lob, wasn't it? Um, he's, it's fair. He, he doesn't do tap-ins at Huddersfield, thinking back. So it uh, be interesting to see whether O'Neill reads anything into that type of thing and starts him over, say, a, a Gale. Interesting. Mm. So just to round off the stats part, uh, we are 11th in the league, three positions lower than we were after two games last season, seven higher than the season before. Um, obviously, it's a bit, it's, it's early doors to be looking at them kind of stuff. I think as the season wears on, that might be a bit more worth looking at. Uh, Points-wise, we've got three, which is one less than we had at this stage last season, uh, but only the last season was an, 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 oh, it was an anomaly. Um, because only twice since 2005 uh, have we had more than three points after two games which was so all hope is not lost is what you're saying yeah on last season and 2007-2008 okay Um, but if the other thing we've keeping track of is if you match up the results uh, against the games that we played last season we are already three points better off because we lost at Millwall and we lost at home to Blackpool last season. So we are already three points better off in the corresponding fixtures. Booyah. I never <laughs> want to talk about that Blackpool game at home, Blackpool game at home ever again. So Matt Donoghue's the ref. Um, two games in the championship so far this season. He's flashed his yellow card seven times. Uh, he does like to, his cards over four yellows a game and a red every four games is quite high, I think. He's not scared of getting the mouse. Hello. So... <laughs> Each of of course you had jump in there. I'd rather him just ref the match, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Distract their goalkeeper, I'll take it. This this is just going down to filth. This, this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> Carry on, mate. Right, so, he ref the, the positive... The match you after in last year was he after us on the opening day of the season when we beat Reading 3 uh, 2. But we also had home defeats to Derby and Bristol City when he was the man with the whistle. Uh, Huddersfield uh, had him quite a few times. He drew away at West Brom. He was in charge of that. They beat Derby. He was refing that. He refed Huddersfield when they drew away at Barnsley. And he also refed when they lost at home to Everton in the Carabao Cup. Uh, when he sent off Moise Keane. So basically, if, if you're a betting man or woman, you need to go for the over X amount on cards because then you're guaranteed to win. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I'd Bet say at least four week. cards. And if you know, Huddersfield being on such a downer, if they're looking for a way to win the game, what, what better way than Stoke being down to nine men after 20 minutes? Um, so yeah, on to the game itself. Uh, what's your team, Mike? Um, so to be honest, mate, I don't think I'd be surprised if anyone really goes anything dramatic, but it's going to be the exact same team versus Blackpool, uh, for me. I mean, I'm not going to go into any, any context, but just to rerun you through what that was, uh, Bursic playing and then obviously playing a 3 5 2. So, uh, Taylor, Flint, Wilmot, Clark, Timon, and then we've got Lawrence, Baker, Smallbone, Gale, and Brown. Um, for me, Ty can come off the bench and score a hat trick instead. So, same team as we had versus Blackpool, please. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I think yeah, that that performance against Blackpool was by far the best we've created during the season, including pre-season or whatever. So 
I don't think any of them deserve to lose the place. So I'm with you. I'll keep the same eleven that started last week. Um, Thinking of same eleven though, Dan, can it get any stronger than that? I know we again Suter. Obviously Suter will come in for for you know probably for Flint or something like that. But and then Powell but, and Smallbone can rotate as well. That's the thing. That that's it though. I mean Powell is. We've already discussed this very briefly last week, but there isn't room for Nick Powell in this team right now. If Smallbone's on form. Powell doesn't come back and replace Smallbone. So Yeah, that's the whole problem we've got. So I, I think this is as strong as we're getting. If we bring Suter back in, it's as strong as you're gonna get. I I'd say one of the finest in the league. I think it depends, doesn't it? You've got people like Jordan Thompson. I don't think he would significantly weaken the sides, you know, if he was brought in. So if somebody's form drops, say Josh Laurent, for example, just picking a random midfielder that I'm not Picking on him, saying I don't think, you know, don't think he's any good or anything. Well, say he has a run of three or four poor games, then Jordan Thompson could easily come into hit, come into the side for him, and we wouldn't exactly lose much, would we? The one thing I love so, is that Baker and Laurent can do the same exact thing as each other. So, say for example, if Baker picked up a little knock and Laurent was still there, it'd be—I don't think it'd be affected too much. Like you said with Thompson, if you bring Thompson in for say Baker. Laurent can do what Baker did, and it's the same the other way around. And I think when they both are together, it's like double, double the pressure for the opposition. Yeah. they're everywhere. Doing, you've got one snapping at your heels. You lay the ball off to somebody else, and all of a sudden they've got somebody else snapping at them. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's. it's uh, I think as a as a pairing together as well, they complement each other really well. Hunting pairs, that's what they say, don't they? That's the saying, <laughs> hunting in pairs. <laughs> um, so we're going to move, obviously, on to... Oh, yeah, we've got some score predictions, haven't we? But teams, that was that was easy enough, getting through the teams. Yeah. What do you reckon the score's going to be? Um, I mean, I mean, I've been flirting back, at, back and forth You've already this. said a Tyrese trick, so that's three goals. Well, no, I mean... There's your misses now. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it the Stoke City charity. That's the only thing that keeps banging into my head. I keep going with a scoreline, thinking, well, basically, three-two has been in my head all day. Um, but I just I just feel like we, they need a win. Everything's kind of going against us in some respects. We're more into stats. You know what? I'm going to go one-nil Stoke, but I just got a feeling we're going to lose. One-nil. So one-nil. You go one-nil Stoke. Yeah. But you're covering all bases <laughs> by saying you think we'll lose. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> what, it should be a pundit on Sky Sports or something, eh? <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Andy? What are you going for? I can't I can't believe Mike said that. I can't it's believe that. Disgusting. Yeah. So they've conceded eight goals and scored two in three games. Bearing in mind, they've played three championship teams and even though they lost 4-1 last night, they didn't look promising at all anyway. Jordan Rhodes got them the goal, I think, the game before that. Was it Sorber Thomas or someone like that? It was Danny Ward. So two strikers have gotten the goals. They don't look up to par. They really miss Corberan as a manager. Um, I think they will grab a goal because we, we always somehow manage to concede in some way when we play against the team mainly. So I'm going to go 3-1 Stoke. Oh, I was going to go 3-1 myself. Oh, uh, well, you can still go 3-1. You don't have to change it. No, to to uh, spread it out a bit, I'm going to say we're going to repeat last week and have a nice, comfortable 2-0 win then. Okay. 
yeah, I think we'll get, get, get an early goal. Um, and then Tyrese will come on and score later. He's got to come off the bench. So, yeah, that's obviously that's what we think. Uh, but somebody who knows Huddersfield far better than we do is Matt from the Andy, Hit, Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, so, here are his thoughts ahead of the game. Hello, lads. It's Matt from the Huddersfield Town podcast. Andy Takes That Chance here. So in preparation for Saturday, if you check your match tickets, I'm sure somewhere written on the back is a greeting that will say, Welcome to the shit show. What an absolute shambles we are so far this season. Dean Hoyle has returned as an owner in a blaze of fire sales. Over the summer, the club have sold the heart of the team in Lewis O'Brien, the soul in Harry Toffolo, and lost the brains in Carlos Corbran, all to a figure who has largely mocked us since that fateful day in May. The club has no bollocks. And that's been evident in our style of play over the last three games. Yes, it's only three games, but what I've witnessed so far is some of the most disjointed, disorganised and dishevelled shows of nonsense since the days of Jan Sievert. Uh, Jan, a man so well known within Premier League football that Sky Sports once grabbed a local charity owner live on air during the game to get an interview thinking it was him. Classic. Uh, tactically, we've been a complete mess. Uh, all Danny Schofield had to do was to provide the continuity he was brought in to do, but instead he's ripped up the tactical playbook with a, a 4-4-2 off, off the ball shape, which is beyond the capabilities of any of the players he's picked so far. If we carry on in this football in suicide on Saturday, then Stoke will blow us away in the first half. Simple as that. If we revert to last season's methods, well... We might be able to nick something and a club cult hero in, in Danny Schofield will hopefully get to progress in the role because that's what we all want. Uh, Danny's a cult hero, a very popular figure and the last thing we want to do is to lose a manager so quickly without him barely getting his feet under the table. We've done a preview on our channel for Stoke City and, and one of the lads referred to you as a catfish. A catfish being that team that always threatens to finish in the top six but never actually does. I'm an idiot and I fall for the Stoke trap every year without fail. Even this year, I still think you've got a good chance of being in the top six and getting promoted. It'd be about time. Uh, right, guys, all the best. Please let us win on Saturday. We badly need it. But if we continue doing the same thing, it'll be 2-0 to Stoke. If we don't, then I'm sure we can nab a point or maybe even more. Who knows? All the best. Catch you later in the season. Well, so, yeah, some very passionate um, words there coming from Matt. Um <sighs> Doesn't seem like it's not rosy up there, is it? It's all Mark. No, he's uh, he's not a happy bunny mate, to be honest, is he? Uh, I won't repeat some of the, the the words he used, but I think we all heard them. So, yeah, it's it's weird. So I think he was, it, by the sounds of it, he was really happy with obviously last season in terms of you know the they had an I guess what he's trying to say is they had an identity. You know, they they had a settled identity and changed managers, new managers come in and he's flipped everything to a four four two that nobody actually plays anymore. He doesn't feel they've got the players who can play 4-4-2. So, um, and obviously, as Andy's alluded to, the results have been pretty shocking, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, again, I understand where he's coming from. Uh, we've been struggling for an identity. Hopefully, we can find one. And either way, he's not looking uh, forward to the weekend, I don't think. But hopefully, uh, we can, I don't know, hopefully we can uh, do justice and, and hammer them. Uh, and maybe, Christ, who knows? He might be the first managerial casualty of the season, mate, if, if they get a good idea. I know if he beats Watford, sacking their first manager of the season, then he's, he's, he's done well, hasn't he? Yeah. Not, uh, not any slating on Watford, but they do sack their managers very quickly. Was it like they had three or four last season? 
and the season before. And, and the, the season, season before, before that. <laughs> and the season before. It's a great place to go if you're a manager, though, because you know no matter what happens, you're going to get a nice payoff. Yeah, I've always true. said that. You, you'll go there, you'll get a massive payoff. And when you go for another job, and they, look, they won't look at you and be like, oh, you got sat by Watford, they'll go, oh, unlucky, oh, you went Watford. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, but obviously, there's one person missing from this, isn't there? Yeah, we've all got our own predictions, but the good old great McGarry one's still not been aired, so let's have a listen to what McGarry thinks. Well, hello there again, you Potter's predictors. This is Graham McGarry trying to get it right on a Saturday afternoon as we follow the Potters over to Yorkshire where they take on a Huddersfield townside who, of course, enjoyed a terrific season last time around, making the playoffs, going very close to the Premier League. But looks like the grey clouds are hanging over them as they started the season very, very poorly under their new manager as well. So pressure certainly on the Huddersfield town Stoke City, of course, disappointed, even though it wasn't the first 11 that Michael O'Neill will be selecting for this Saturday's game that he picked from the midweek cup tie against Morecambe. It was a disappointing result to go out in the end. I'm pretty sure they're going to bounce back, but I'm not sure they're going to bring the three points back. So you'll have to be satisfied, even though the travelling Potters fans will be hoping for a win. I think they're going to have to be satisfied with a 2-2 draw. Ah, so Graham's predicting the old Desmond, is he? Um, I think, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that would be enough to p- pacify the Stoke fans, though. Uh, Mike, I, don't, I think we need a three points to keep the uh, the haters away, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. If we, mate, we can't, we can't come back with a loss. I'm sorry, that's just... Uh, or even a draw. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to be fair, it's unlike Graham. He, he normally goes for a more positive scoreline, but um, we'll, we'll we'll let him off. He's very rarely massively wrong, in fairness to, to the bloke. But um, yeah, 2-2, two, two, no, I reckon he's going to be close. It's going to be 2-2 two, two, uh, until the end. And then my original heartfelt 3-2 scoreline is Tyrese comes on and lobs the goalkeeper from 65 yards um, just to finish off the game. So, yeah. So, so, so far, you've predicted a tight 1-0. With the caveat of we're probably going to lose. <laughs> and now he's saying you think it'll be tied 2-2, uh, possibly Tyrese coming off and making it 3-2. I'm sure I can fit another scoreline in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm cementing it. 1-0. I'm putting me... Yeah, 1-0. <laughs> All right. Um... Obviously, yeah, on the basis of Huddersfield, they are in a bad way, aren't they? And I think, yeah, they've lost Corbran, they've lost Louis O'Brien, they've lost Toffolo. Any, I think any side that loses them, them quite, that kind of quality and that kind of inspiration from the manager as well, you are going to have a hangover, aren't you? The, the, the board, they've been, so, I don't know, from, from the outside, it looks like they've been penny-pinching a bit. And I think that's sort of coming home to roost now. Yeah, it's like letting us go over time and end a baker at the same time and not recruiting back. Yeah, it destroys. Is Danny Schofield in charge there because they think that could appease the fans? Like they put Danny Schofield there, knowing he's like a club hero. It's like Stoke, like you know, like you say, selling time and selling Baker. drastically slashing the budgets and that not because of financial fair play but just because they don't want to spend any money 
the manager walking and Stoke giving the job to Ryan Shawcross. You know, no, no sort of coaching experience as such, but because they know that the fans will be like, oh, wow, Shawcross enjoyed, oh, great. And that, I think, is what they've done with at Huddersfield. Um, just trying to, like I say, stop the fans sort of rebelling against them. Uh, I mean, like I say, look, look at Barnsley, for example. They had a good season, didn't they, got in the playoffs? They didn't kick on, they didn't invest, and they got relegated the season after. You know, it's so easily done. You've got to build on when you get up there. You, you, know, you have to, like I say, do your best to keep your squad together and add people to it, not decimate it and tear it apart and expect the manager to perform another miracle. I was going to say, if you're looking for a matchup that could decide the game, you're probably looking at Sorba Thomas and Josh Tynan. Yeah. Down that because obviously Sorba Thomas down that right wing and Josh Tynan, whoever comes out best in that sort of head to head there, that could well decide the game. Couldn't it? If if Tynan gets ahead of him and you know he's the one running right down that left wing for us, then. You know, we're going to be creating chances, aren't we? But if Sober Thomas can take advantage of time and going forward, then Huddersfield are going to be creating chances at the other end. So, yeah, for me, that if you're going to pinpoint anywhere on the pitch, I would say that Sober Thomas v Josh Timing is probably the, the battle that could well decide where the points go on Saturday. Anything else anybody wants to add on this game before we move into our Super 6 gaffer updates, etc, etc? Not particularly. I, f- I feel like it should be an alright game for us, but I don't want us to turn into, you know, Charity FC like we sometimes do. No, mate, be, be confident we're winning this 3-2. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You had to do that. <laughs> I was, I was just waiting for him to say it's going to be a nil-nil board draw. So, yes, Mike, our Super 6 going, do you know? I do. Uh, for us, badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, okay, look, let's, let's start well and we can get worse as we go on. So, uh, yeah, there's been about five or six people uh, actually did really well to be honest with you mate 16 points so uh glenn goodwin kevin shufflebottom keith coleman chris bagley and philip kelso i'm sorry if i butchered any of those names you're all joint top with 16 points which as i said i think for a first game of the season when there's no form at all to go on is pretty great uh, there's a lot of people kind of hovering in that 14 to 11 kind of spot uh but then you've got me and dan on six points which puts us 86th out of 100 and five um so 86 out of 105 only slightly beaten by andy who was in 82nd with eight points so um yeah we've we've got a bit of making up to do quite frankly dan the one thing um, i will say i don't think anyone's winning that million are they no not yet if mate, someone's, no. i think there's people who've gotten you know got the result right but not this final score because of 4-1 tottenham and I don't think anyone's gone for that. And even the Man United one shocked a lot of people like myself. Yeah, I, I, I had United, I think, to win 2-1, I think it was. <laughs> it was um, but yeah, I was wrong on that. But no, I think everyone's done pretty well. Mate. I'm not sure what you did to get your eight points. Probably cheated somehow. Um, but I, got yeah, four, say, I got four results correct. There you go. So safe to say we've got a lot to improve on, mate. But um, yeah, my excuse is there is no form to go on. So I will grasp onto any straw that I can. 
Um, gaffer <laughs> updates. Um, I mean, I'm sure you probably got the gaffer updates uh, there, Dan, but um, probably just yes. ignore, ignore me. I think I know. I think I had a better week this week actually. You, you did have a better week, and actually, joint 35th place is yourself and Andy on 101 points. You're I'm glad I had time in my team. Uh, I've dropped off a bit. I'm down to 25th on 114 points. Oh, boo-hoo. Uh, yes, but the <laughs> flying away is <laughs> Mikowissafoon. <laughs> what? Say again. <laughs> Mikowissafoon, Pierce Barwick. Uh, so, yeah, he got 175 points so far over the first two weeks wow. of the season. Uh, wow. And that's actually level with Joe Williams. Um, he also got 175 points, and that's a massive 25 points ahead of Jack Curran in third. Um, so yeah, those two are flying away at the top of the table. Well done, Sam. That's uh, really impressive. I do like sneak. You know our good friend Liam. We do. Yes. Yes, he sneaked into the top ten with his team, Barcelona Cake. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, um, I don't suppose you've got the table up there, Dan, have you, to pull out some of these great names that we keep seeing? Yes. You've got it up, have you? I have. Breaking Good. <laughs> um, floppy Stars. <laughs> okay. Pookie Blinders is a good one in the league as well. Yeah. Really HM, like HMS Rubber Dingy. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird Dyer, but Dyer spelt like Eric Dyer. Oh, okay. Gangsters Allardyce. Allardyce. <laughs> that's a good one. I, like that one. I believe that's pretty much it. There's, there's a really weird name yeah. here. Andrew Blinston. I thought that was a great one. That one. Oh, who's what, that? What Muppet I wonder who that? that might be. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, so, I need to um, a team name, I do. It's just Andrew's team. Either way, um, I hate fancy football. Well, I hate, it's a strong word. <laughs> there's one um, more. One more I've just found. Go on. Peppa Pig. <laughs> oh, nice. That, 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 that's up there with uh, the Norwich one, that. I need to try and get used to when to use these boosts and when not to. So if anyone knows uh, what to do with them, then uh, I'll I'm I'll using my away in. boost this week. Hmm. Well, well, away boost it basically makes your uh, players who are away games double the points, and I've got time in Baker and Campbell. And I feel like, obviously, with my prediction, that we're going to have a bit of a field day. Oh. Okay. Right. So there you go. It's a bit of a bit of a gaffer lesson there for everybody who didn't know. That's what your away boost does. So yeah, I think there's one le- one thing left to do. We've got quite a fun quiz for you this week. So are you ready? Shall we get into the quiz? Oh, go on then. Good luck. Let's go for it. So, I was very busy earlier on looking at historical people who had nothing to do at all with football. Let me get me uh, people up right. So, what I've got here is there is I've got eight questions, and there there's a Stoke player, and there's somebody else of the same name. So, I'm going to tell you, this Stoke player is also a such a such a such a body. And you have to guess which Stoke player. So, the first one's an easy one. I reckon Andy will know this first one. Because you, okay. you like the sports. You like your cricket, don't you, Andy? 
Yeah, I like the cricket. In your tennis and that. So, yeah. Yeah. which Stoke midfielder is also a top 100 ranked Australian tennis player and a county cricket all-rounder? It can't be Harry Sutar. It can't be. So Stoke is it current players or Stoke yes, midfielder? All, 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 all current Stoke players these are. So, like I say, it's going to be guesswork, that, but it'll be quite, quite is... funny. Did you say Australian or just in general? Yeah. So, which Stoke midfielder is also a top 100 ranked? So, they're not actually not the actual person, not the actual Stoke midfielder, oh. but somebody of the same name is also a top 100 ranked Australian tennis player and there's a county cricket all rounder with the same name. That's Lewis the gist Lewis of what we're doing. Thompson, Nick Powell. I've got, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I feel like going the name Jordan Thompson, to be fair. Yes, Jordan Thompson. Okay. It's the only name which sounds like someone who'd also do cricket. I was thinking, which one in our, <laughs> in our team is doing that at the same time? But it's good that you clarified at the end of the day. Yes. So which Stoke defender is also an Irish stained glass artist born in 1889? So who sounds like they could be an Irish stained glass artist? Quite famous. Quite famous. Oh god, here we they go. They were in their in their time, like they were in their time. I've got to think so, of players who sound like they've got an Irish name in our team. So Connor Taylor sounds Irish. Uh, Josh Tymon can sound Irish. I'll go Connor Taylor. Connor Taylor. Have you got yeah. any any anything like that's incorrect? Have you got anything, Mike? Uh. Wow. No, I mean, Taylor came to my mind, but no, nothing else to add, mate, to be honest. Harry Clark was your favourite Irish stained glass artist. (laughs) Okay. So, which Stoke defender is a current defensive end for the LA Chargers and the NFL? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Um, Oh, my. He's trying to stitch us up here. He is really trying to stitch us up. Um, It's going to be... Oh, oh, it's not Ed. No, uh, no. I was thinking Eddie Jones. Can't. Jones is quite American. To be fair, yeah, uh, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. You both go yeah. Eddie Jones. Morgan Fox. Oh really? Can you can you Fox imagine a popular surname a, anyway? Can you imagine Morgan Fox as a defensive end in the NFL? No. no. Um, so, question number four. Which Stoke player was also a patrolman in the New York Police Department who was simultaneously employed as a slugger for Tamani Hall? He was involved in voter intimidation and election fraud during the 1840s and 50s. What? Which Stoke... speaking German there. <laughs> you know what? Right. Shall we just say the toughest player on the team, Aidan Flint? He looks like he could do a job at that. Um, <laughs> I don't really know. God, these are so good. Which... Where did you get these from? <laughs> oh, well, uh, good research here. Uh, which Stoke midfielder? I'll tell you, he's a midfielder. And then he got involved in the wrong side of the law as well. And he was involved in voter intimidation and election fraud. Oh my God. The mid 19th century. So, which of our midfielders sounds like he could have been involved in that? Sam Klukas, Josh Laurent are the two which come to my mind. What about you, What about you, Mike? Who comes to your head? Jordan Thompson, but we've already said that. Josh Laurent comes to my mind. I'm going with that. I'm locking my answer in. Josh Laurent. Josh Laurent. What are you going for, Mike? 
Uh, sorry, I actually was on mute. <laughs> uh, so um, I was wondering why you weren't listening to me. Uh, so yeah, I, I would have actually gone for Thompson to be honest. That's, that's who I was talking to. The, We've to already said him. No, I don't know whether Dan's going to be back. No, I don't think. Well, I don't think he's that tricky. I don't know. Louis Baker. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, we're not doing very good here, are we? <laughs> it, it is interesting though to find these facts out. So which teenager? Is also a former rugby union star capped 30 times by the All Blacks. What position do they play? Uh, I think I give it away because there aren't many, we haven't got that many teenagers. If I said it was like. Oh, so they're an actual there. teenager in the team now? Yes, yeah, te- a current teenager in the Stoke squad. Uh, it's not Emre Tesgar, I'll know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Jack Griffiths. Yes, Jack Griffiths. Yeah, he's the, only other, he's the only other teenager who's signed a pro contract, really, isn't he? Mm. So, Tom Sparrow's at 21 now, isn't he? So. Which academy graduate is also an Aussie rules midfielder for Melbourne? Harry Suter? Harry um, Suter? Who else? It's Australian, so that's what I'm going off that by. But, um, yeah, Suter, Suter, yeah. Tom Sparrow. Really? I can I can I can understand that. I can So which Stoke attacker was also a US general in the War of eighteen twelve? Jacob Brown sounds like a general's name. Jacob Brown is the general. Got to be <laughs> that could be his new nickname. He could be the general from now on. The general. <laughs> general Brown. Uh, and here we go. Which Stoke attacker is a British museum museum? British musician. <laughs> <laughs> Which Stoke attacker is a British musician, composer and sound designer. He worked extensively in theatre on productions in the West End and Broadway and for companies including the Royal National Theatre and the Royal Shakespeare Company. Dwight Gale. Tyrese Campbell. Yeah. That what are you going for? Nick yeah, I don't. Powell. It's either one. Nick Powell. Nick Powell. Ah, to be fair, I can understand that. So yes, now you know what they've done in their previous lives. Yeah, we didn't God. do very good there. <laughs> you, you mate, you bailed fair, us out there. Fairly interesting. Fairly interesting, Daniel. Well done, Dan. Good effort this week, mate. Just a bit of fun, wasn't it, this week? Just yeah. a bit of fun. To cheer us up after what happened last night. <laughs> and you can all go now wondering about Morgan Fox as a defensive end <laughs> in the NFL. You can wonder why his penalty was scarred over the bar now. I can imagine. I mean, if you had to pick, who would pick? Who would be a, 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 a player reality? Aidan Flint, could, he could handle himself in the NFL, <laughs> couldn't he? So, three points. Me and you say three points, mate. Graham says one. Mike yeah. says all results are possible. Sound. So, let's wrap this up. And, uh, yes, happy travelling to anyone going to Huddersfield. Um, and we Thank are you. back on we are back on Monday, aren't we? Because we've got a home game next week. We are. Is it Sunderland at home? No, it's Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough first. Okay. Sunderland later in the month. Into... They could they could play Tommy Smith. To be fair, give him a nice little home warming. <laughs> yeah, truth, he's not going to get any abuse. Is he? he wasn't. He wasn't as if you know, no. he never did He's going to show what crossing we're missing out on on the right, isn't he? Aye. So yes, we shall uh, we shall be reconvening Saturday night, won't we? And yes, you'll hear from us again on Monday. So 
Good luck to the potters. And uh, yes, see you all soon, folks. Catch you soon. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.